Watching it again made me love it more than I even did the last time I saw it. There's a real sort of operatic quality to the violence. And if you notice towards the end when he's doing the shootout, when he's building up to that that mirror sequence, like the gun shots happen on the beats to the music. So it's all mm, done okay. to the music. Like it's choreographed, the whole thing. And so it's, it's almost like Baby Driver. That, that absolutely, one yeah, Baby Driver, it's yeah. beautifully, absolutely okay. beautifully done. It is so slick. Um, and just, you know, like he'll he'll be fighting with someone, wrestling with them, he'll pin them to the floor, take their gun, shoot someone behind them, then shoot the guy on the floor. It's really, really, you know, I mean, maybe mm. it just brings out the homicidal maniac in me, but it's, it's, it's quite something. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. I'm joined by James. Hello. Chris. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about John Wick Chapter Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have James and Chris. If you'd like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Well, where to even begin? Uh, I'm James Dyer. I am the, well, digital editor-in-chief of Empire and host of the Pilot TV Podcast. Um and I I'm wonder when you're going to pull it in. Of course, of course. <laughs> Free plugs. <laughs> Why else do we do these things? Chris is shaking his head, I can see. Uh, Chris, who are you? Who are you again? Remind me. Why, why would you, do you just mention this down this... <laughs> not that we can go down the shops in the, in the current new newness, but is that what That's you're true. like when you're just popping it's out I, for yeah, like a, a, a quick Mackie D's? Mm. Can I have a mm-hmm. Big Mac? Oh, and also, I host a pilot TV podcast. <laughs> just, you, can't, you don't have yes. to crowbar it into every single conversation. I mean, I beg to differ, but sure, sure. Who are you, Chris? Well, James, <laughs> thank you for asking. Uh, I'm Chris Hewitt, and I am uh, at Empire, and I host the Empire podcast, which is like the Pilot TV podcast, but listenable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yeah. you, you mentioned the current state of affairs. We're recording remotely because it is um, corona lockdown uh, here in the UK, um, but which... You guys, Pilot TV versus Empire magazine, which has got the most news uh, going through the moment. I guess it's got to be the TV side of things, doesn't it? I mean, it, TV does seem to be becoming a larger part of people's lives now that we can't actually leave the house. That said, <laughs> that said, since we've been off, I will say I have seen, I've watched more movies, I think, since I've been off than I ever do when I'm actually working normally at Empire because our offices, as you may or may not know, relocated to Camden, which is not mm. near where any of the screenings happen. So going to see films in London becomes something of a something of a Herculean <laughs> operation. Whereas now all the studios are throwing screeners left, right and centre, pumping them into my living room. So I'm, I'm midway through watching a 
film at the moment, uh, which oh, well is done. actually depressing the hell out of me. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Yes, <laughs> yes but uh, <laughs> it's Vivarium, which actually I don't think is good for anyone's mental health at the moment because frankly I no, feel like not. I'm living in that film right now. That's the Jesse um, Eisenberg one, isn't it? It is, yeah, about yeah. two people stuck in a house and they can't leave. Uh, nice. It's a little bit on the nose, to be honest, <laughs> and I'm struggling with it. But, uh, it's, um, it's quite yeah. it's quite prescient. Uh, it really by the way, is. Uh, James uh, or Jimbo, as I call him, uh, James has basically just uh, picked up the world's smallest violin and asked the listeners of this podcast <laughs> to play it for him. It's like, oh yes, we, we live in Camden. It's very far away from most of the screening places, and so I can't, I couldn't possibly make the fifteen minute journey into central London to see a film. Uh, One so has to get an Uber. Yes, thankfully the Walt Disney Corporation have decided to launch Disney Plus just for my benefit. It's true. It That's a very good impression. Um, it is. That is very good. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird actually. The whole the whole, the whole experience at the moment. Uh, I am watching. I'm watching films. I've, I've kind of I've got a movie account now, and so I'm dipping into movie a little bit more and dipping yeah. into. Some Helen's of the, a big fan of movie, aren't you? Yeah, I am indeed. Yes, I can offer it to people for a month free. Now I have a subscription, so send me wow. a message if you want a month free. Well, it's too late now, isn't it? But, <laughs> yeah, but but thank you very much for the for the offer. I may take you up in six months when my account has lapsed. But uh, yeah, there's loads of great stuff in there. Uh, you know, lots. They've just added some uh, some cocktail films. Uh, it's not what it sounds like, James. And they've added they've added there's some Melville on there. There's some Ingmar Bergman. It's it's, it's fantastic. And Disney Plus. So I'm nourished. The soul is nourished. And also the heart is nourished and the eyeballs are nourished with the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe hitting Disney Plus minus the Spider-Man movies and the Incredible Hulk. Oh, really? So Far yeah. From Home isn't on there? or Nope. Um, oh, Sony what? and Universal take issue with that. So no, no, those three films are missing. So you can't do an MCU run-through on Disney Plus, which is very disappointing. That's exactly what I planned. I'd, I'd stopped at uh, Thor The Dark World before Disney Plus started because it was actually a pain getting everything. And I just thought, let me wait two weeks. <laughs> And I could do obviously I could do Thor now that's on that's that's what I'm going to pick up from but yeah um, oh, yeah right. yep. no, no, uh, no Spider Man movies <laughs> so it's Disney Plus minus Sony and Universal <laughs> but maybe one day they'll they'll reconcile. Well, talking about films, we are here today to talk about your choice, James, which was John Wick Chapter Two. Yeah, not not the one that's got the suffix at the end. Um, and can you tell us, James, why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less? One minute or less. Why did I choose John Wick Chapter 2? Uh, I have never... There's never a point in my life where I can't watch a John Wick film. I absolutely love John Wick. Uh, right. And John Wick 2... See, John Wick 1 is has purity to it. It's a very simple, set-up revenge movie, uh, which hints at a broader mythology. I think John Wick 2 hits the sweet spot where it explores that mythology more and it really, really nails what makes the universe good. And it's just before John Wick 3 where I think it goes too far the other way. So John oh, Wick 2, okay. I think it's... The, so there's too cold, too hot, and just right. It's the Goldilocks zone of the John Wick <laughs> franchise, I'm saying. Uh, but this one sees John Wick picks up directly after John Wick 1. Uh, mm -hmm. It starts with him going to get his car back uh, and then it all kind of frankly spins out of control from there um love love this to be so i was on set of this film actually which is another reason why i chose it so um uh because nice. i was a huge fan of the first one so when the set visit for chapter two came up i went down i went to a uh soundstage in brooklyn where they were shooting the finale of this film uh the sort of the hall of mirrors fight oh which was, amazing uh, with ruby rose yeah 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 so that was uh that was very exciting enjoyed that a lot 
And so what, what happens in the film? You've got one minute. Oh, one minute to now. tell you what happens in the film. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. So in uh, picking up from the end of the first film, he has come out of retirement. He tries to go back into retirement. Uh, have, having, done his, <laughs> having done his work, he's avenged the death of his dog, you know, and, and, and put the bad guys in the ground. So he comes back. He goes and gets his car in the prologue. Uh, but, but... Uh, a guy called Santino D'Antonio, played by Ricardo uh, Scarmaccio, uh, has has a marker, has a sort of a promise from John Wick to help him out. So now he's come out of retirement. He has to do one last job, as all hitmen seem to end up doing. Uh, so he goes to Rome to kill someone, and it all goes to shit. Uh, and John Wick kills, I think, no, I've just about checked, he kills everybody in the world, pretty much, yep. in this film, in a variety of incredibly violent ways. Uh, and it is a glorious symphony of violence, and I love it. It's pretty much apart from John Legozama, who turns up to take his car away. Yes. yes. Uh, I think John, I think he's there because he has to repair his car yeah. at some point. The body shot which, man. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think everyone else, you're right, is, is dead. Um, apart, oh. Lovejoy's still there. Ah, yes. Ian McShane as Winston, <laughs> proprietor of the Continental. Here's the thing that bugs me. Winston constantly calls John Wick Jonathan. Now, yeah. sure, you could say that this is, uh, you know, and it might be a reference to The Last Boy Scout, Chris. It's, it's unclear to me. But... Um, the thing, the thing with this is John John J O H N is not short for Jonathan. It's a completely separate name with a completely separate etymology, and that really bugs the shit out of me that they get that wrong. But you can't. Well, as well, obviously, we can't give away anything that happens in John Wick Chapter Three, Parabellum. But John Wick <laughs> may not be his real name, mm. so I, I'm going to give forgive Winston taking liberties. His real name also, is Jonathan Wick. <laughs> <laughs> and he pretends people, to be called his John Wick. He's Jonathan Creek. He's actually uh, played <laughs> by Alan Davies. And he is, what is he? Is he an amateur is detective a magician or the other way around? Yeah, something something odd. Like Typically weekend uh, BBC One kind of fair, isn't it? Yeah, magician pretty much. Detective. But uh, written by David Rennick of, uh, or Renwick rather, of uh, One Foot in the Grave fame. But uh, what I'm saying is I have seen some people who spell Jonathan J-O-H-N. Uh, that's Athen, which is obviously weird. Yeah, they should be they should be immediately uh, quarantined uh, for the good no, of society. People are calling but... their kids Khaleesi and stuff, aren't they? I think there's I think that's on the scale of insanity for names. Yeah, not that's after season eight, they're not. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Deep hole, please. I want to change all of that shit because now she's not a good person. Oh, Targaryen. Mm. Oh. Um, so what, what was it like for you on set for that scene at the end? Because that, that scene's great. And I love one of my favourite films is Enter the Dragon. Mm. And that obviously harks straight to that. Yeah, well, so, so, uh, Enter the Dragon was a big influence on Chad Stahelski. So he's like a, he's a, obviously a very, very accomplished martial artist. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's obsessed with that kind of Hong Kong cinema. The whole way that kind of he choreographed stuff is kind of inspired by uh, that kind of old school Hong Kong cinema. Like 8711, like they specialise in... Like, well, the way he kind of says it is there's kind of two ways of shooting an action sequence, uh, like a martial arts sequence. He said, you can teach someone a handful of moves and very precisely choreograph it and then cut it accordingly around any mistakes. See Taken, for example. Big Liam, love him to death, but the edits in that are quite extraordinary. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning of Taken 3 where he climbs over a fence. There are 16 separate cuts as he climbs really? over this fence. You're like, seriously, Liam couldn't get over a fence. But 
the way Stahelski kind of does this is he's, he's big on wide master shots. And his whole thing was you can either teach someone a handful of moves and choreograph it, or you can teach them to be an incredible martial artist and then just turn the camera on. And his mm. whole thing with Kenny Reeves, Kenny Reeves has been doing martial arts for decades. He's incredibly, incredibly accomplished. And they put him through everything for this. He did judo, he did Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he did Japanese jiu-jitsu, he did absolutely everything. Uh, and he trained with this three-gun champion as well. When I was on set, they showed me sort of iPhone footage of him. I think it's been online, actually. Uh, you yeah, see him, yeah. Gun footage. Exactly that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Him sort of using a shotgun, using an assault rifle, using a pistol. Uh, and, you know, when it when the gun jams, as it does in John Wick, like when the gun jams, he clears the jam and reloads live. They don't cut, they just carry on mm. and he just rolls through the scenes. I think that's what gives this film so much realism. It's actually done like that. He's actually fighting <laughs> with these people, do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's doing it for real, which is uh, which is quite a thing. And you look at, uh, like the Bourne movie's got incredible choreography, but the like the way Paul Greengrass edits it, yeah, the camera, it's messy, it's handheld, there's fast edits, and it, the fast edits cover a lot of sins. And I think John Wick, like if he fucks it up, you'd see that very clearly because of the way it's shot. Um, and I really love that. And so that was very much on display uh, when I was watching that scene being shot. Like the takes, unlike in a lot of sort of action movies, the takes were not short. They were pretty long takes with him taking out a number of people before they cut. Uh, and the sequence where he fights Ares, Ruby Rose's Ares, and she's mm. got that little punch dagger and they do that. I mean, they ran through most of that fight in one go, uh, which was pretty cool. So yeah, it's a, it's a great sequence and it's it, it really is an awesome film and actually watching it again made me love it more than I even did the last time I saw it. Just the just there's a real sort of operatic quality to the violence and if you notice towards the end when he's doing the shootout when he's building up to that that mirror sequence like the gun shots happen on the beats to the music so it's all mm, done okay. to the music like it's choreographed the whole thing and so it's, it's almost like baby driver absolutely yeah baby driver, it's yeah. beautifully absolutely okay. beautifully done it is so slick um, and just, you know, like he'll he'll be fighting with someone, wrestling with them, he'll pin them to the floor, take their gun, shoot someone behind them, then shoot the guy on the floor. It's really, really, you know, I mean, maybe mm. it just brings out the homicidal maniac in me, but it's 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 quite something. He has a signature move, which I absolutely love, uh, in that he has this sort of weird double tap thing where he'll shoot someone in the head. And most, most action heroes would go, that's enough. I've just shot mm -hmm. someone in the head. That's usually the man stopper. But then he'll do it again. He'll just go bang, bang, twice in the head. And he has this wonderful way of, uh, this is a podcast, you can't see it, but he holds the gun very, very close <laughs> to himself uh, yeah. and almost uses it as a little extension of his arms, almost like a little T-Rex. Uh, I, I just, there's, there's something about Keanu's bond with this character that I absolutely adore. If you've, if you've it, been lucky it enough. It is made to, for him, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It, you know, these yeah. guys, John Stahelski and, and David Leach, who co-directed the first movie with Stahelski, mm -hmm. they and Keanu go way back. John Stahelski mm -hmm. was Keanu's stunt double on The Matrix. And yeah. so that he's known for years they want to get into film directing and they took their chance with John Wick. They, they sculpted the character with him in mind. But there's something about him. James and I have both been fortunate enough to be on set of John Wick movies. We've both been fortunate enough to interview Keanu Reeves about this character. And there's something in him that comes alive when he's talking about mm. this character. The, the joy in his face, it is a almost childlike glee as he talks <laughs> about John Wick and what it means to him. And there's, there's just that I, I, I love that bond between the two of them. Because mm. I think when, when I first saw the first John Wick, and I saw the, I saw the trailer for it, because Keanu Reeves was quite easily written off a few years ago, wasn't he? You know, in between The Matrix and John Wick, people wrote him off. And when I first saw the trailer for John Wick, I was like, well, this is this is great. Um, this is exactly what he should be doing. And now he's, he's expanding into other into other things. But I think that, that marriage there, and when that, that 
that video clip of him going through a gun um, center. I don't know what it's called. I'm not American. Yeah, it's like a range. Um, gun range. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> but I, I, I you, have any of you guys actually fired weapons like live rounds? Not like that. Well, I'm Northern Irish, Kobe. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's part of your growing up. Your yeah, you're doing at school. Um, but I went to a stag do in Budapest, and we went to a gun range. And honestly, I was shitting myself. Every single gun I fired, I was not happy in any way, shape, or form. And uh, this included uh, assault rifles, shotguns. Some, some of my mates upgraded to a sniper rifle. And I just went, I, I don't want this. But to see him go through a gun range, <laughs> what was that face, Chris? But to He's see him go through a gun range to like a sniper that, rifle. <laughs> yeah, they paid more money to to go to, to shoot a sniper rifle. I just thought oh. I'd pay my stag do fees. I've I've done enough here. Um, but it was impressive in that gun range. That, that video clip of him going through a gun range for this film was just—you're just like, wow, that's you know, you know exactly what you're doing, and I'm scared of you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just something about this character. James will tell you, and you know, and, and we we've talked about this quite a bit in the podcast that I it took a while for me to convert to the ways of Mr. Wick. And, I've heard this, yeah. Uh, so whenever whenever I first saw John Wick, I was in New York and. At this point, you have to remember that in 2014, Keanu was just coming off the back of 47 Ronin, which was an absolute mm. disaster, an absolute flop. And you're absolutely <laughs> right, Kobe, that he had been written off, yeah. which we should be wary of doing that because this man's had a few comebacks in his career. But he'd been written off, and then there was this this John Wick thing, and I'm going to go see it, and, and then I'm going to do the junket, but I'm you know, not that excited about it. The world's smallest violin again, playing just for me. And, you know... It just seems like a bit like a like a taken rip off in a way. I'm not quite sure what this is. And I saw it and it was fine and had decent action sequences, but I wasn't evangelical about it. And then uh, you know, I've I've been on record as saying that I preferred the equalizer from that year, also from that year, and you know, still a perfectly good film. And you know, I love <laughs> I love me some Denzel killing people in B and I'm I'm very, very happy with that movie. But uh it wasn't until Everyone at the Empire called me an idiot repeatedly for not getting on board with John Wick. I went back and revisited the movie, and this time the scales fell from my eyes. Everything clicked into place, and it was terrific. Um, should we do a straw poll? Start with you, Helen. Where do you rank? What's your ranking of the John Wick films? Uh, James has put his heart on his sleeve, saying John Wick 2 is his Goldilocks zone. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Helen? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I watched it in an <laughs> unconventional order of one, three, and two, which probably isn't particularly recommended. Um, <laughs> and it's been quite a while since I watched one. So I'm, to be honest, they're kind of all sort of molding into one John into Wick one. experience. Um, Is that I, like me and Harry Potter's? I, do, I don't know how is Harry Potter for you. Does it feel? I don't. I don't know the difference between the the behemoth that is Harry Potter. Uh, well, I, apart from I, when, apart from the first one, when he's very very young. I haven't seen Harry Potter either, so I I can't comment on mine or your Harry Potter experiences. Not for <laughs> me that one. Um, I don't know. I think I like certain things about maybe three and one. This one um, I struggled with the most, but that was maybe because. I'd s- skip this and gone straight to three. Um, yeah. So basically been faced with the sort of the OTT level of John Wickness um, before going into sort of the middle ground next step version. So I'm not sure. Come back. Come back to me. I'll have a think. <laughs> James, 
Hello. Do you want to confirm your, your order? I mean, it's difficult. Like, I, I love them for different reasons. I think John Wick 2, as I say, I think hits the sweet spot. I think John Wick 3's problem is it goes too heavy on the mythology, and I don't think it really works. Uh, and I think it's too, the plot doesn't really drive it in the same way. And the first one is a really simple premise, and I really like it. The, the, the down point, the, the only downside to the first one that I have is, without spoilers, is something that Chris, this was actually one of Chris's comments when he first saw it, is that John Wick is this ultimate badass who cannot be beaten. Except in the first one, he needs help. On a variety <laughs> of key points, he kind of needs help. And I think you lose that kind of like, he's the Baba Yaga, he's the boogeyman. Whereas in the second one, he is an absolute force of, ma- of nature. He's completely unstoppable. And the second one, I think, is the slickest of the three as well. I think it's so right. stylish. From the sort of Tony Scott-esque subtitles. I love, I love the fact that Ruby Rose does everything in ASL. I think that's absolutely stunning. Uh, It's just brilliant. And like just moments, there's moments like when they're walking through the subway and him, he and Common are exchanging silenced gunfire and no one around them realizes this is happening. And they're just shooting wildly (laughs) at each other. Missing, I might add, missing world's greatest assassins. But nevertheless, you know, it's just absolutely stunning. And the idea in this one that kind of, it, it delivers on the promise of the first one. The first one hints that there's this world, there's this sort of subculture underneath the society that we live in and this one really delivers on that it shows you that anyone can be an assassin when the bounty goes out in john wick's head you get everyone from the busker to you know the homeless Mm. person on the street everyone turns out to be an assassin you know the two cleaners in the station and then you have this other layer which is the bowery king lawrence fishburne um you know of all this sort of homeless people there's another sort of society under that and it sort of really delivers on that i think the third one makes the mistake of kind of fumbling the ball slightly when it comes to the mythology um which is why i think this one kind of really nails it chris what are your thoughts then yeah my thoughts are very simple uh two three one that's my ranking in, of the John one, two, in that order, in pre- order of preference. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in uh, yeah, one is fine. It's it's you know it's better than I I I thought it was whenever I first watched it, but it's still a, a very very brilliantly choreographed action movie. But it's still mm. a very by the numbers man wants revenge plot, yeah. and I actually like the fact that this dials into the mythology a little bit more and it gets a little bit weirder and it has a a feel <laughs> and a world the world building in this movie is great the world building in three is a little laborious and i wonder if the fact that derek kolstad who wrote the first two movies wasn't as involved with the third movie uh, i don't know what happened there whether he just went off the project or whether he was working on the continental tv series who knows but he didn't write the script alone for chapter three and i wonder if maybe that meant it just got a little bit muddled but the action scenes in three are astonishing the first 30 minutes of three not to give it away obviously but the first 30 minutes of three is as close as i think uh an american action movie has come to the glorious balletic insanity of something like a John Woo movie or yeah. or or one of Gareth Evans raid movies uh it's it's in- I wonder incredible. when the R word is going to get dropped um <laughs> yeah I, well very much so, especially with John Wick chapter 3 that's a, that's a real consideration mm. but but 2 yeah, for me is pure it has a really pure storyline the action sequences are fantastic and it has one of the great endings in modern action cinema for me mm. I think the yeah 3 turns into a bit of a and this is a term I learned after watching the the travesty that is the rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> it does turn into a bit of a fetch quest in some places. Um, he has to go to Morocco to get a thing to come back to get another yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a fetch um, quest. yeah, and that thing is tedious. But I still think, I, for me, it's one, three, two, 
because because of the fight scenes and I am a martial artist, um, well retired I say, but I just we'll see. I love the simplicity of one and love how tight it is. I love that simple like it's almost like Streets of Rage or that kind of um, Mega Drive game where you just like someone's been stolen, something's been taken from you, you need to get it back, go. And that's fine. And that's fine. Um, but two, I think the thing I love so much about two is when that final shot of John Wick running through wherever it was in, in New York and you knew Central Park, was it? Mm-hmm. You knew exactly where John Wick chapter three was going to, was going to start. Mm-hmm. I was, I left the cinema just on a, such a high. I was just like, I could not wait for the third chapter to happen. And the, like I said, Chris, the first half of chapter three, um, spoilers guys if you're listening to this this episode is going to go out and then tomorrow John Wick chapter 3 which we recorded with James King and Rihanna Dillon is going to come out tomorrow so you can hear very quickly what your thoughts are on chapter 3 but the first half hour of chapter 3 was just absolutely astonishing and I watched it with uh, Dave uh, from the cinema in the cinema and people were shrieking gasping, wiggling around they could not keep still in the cinema I've, never, I've rarely been in a, an experience where I've seen people moving around in, in, in their seats so much. And I think that's a really, really special thing. Mm. Even though the story is slightly tedious, I, <laughs> I think just that that kind of visceral reaction from a film is something that's rare, I think. Well, the, the beginning of uh, John Wick 3 is amazing, but the beginning of this one is pretty fucking awesome. Like mm. the getting the car back sequence with Peter Stomori. Like, I think what really works for me on that is, A, it's the one thing that's felt missing from the first film. You're like, yeah, you avenged a dog, where's your car? Uh, so you want, of course he was going to get his car back. But this kind of, it's a statement of intent, that prologue is. It's beautifully crafted. Like, it shows you this is not just going to be another sort of run of the first one. They introduce, like, car foo, the stuff he does with the car. Like, you know, running over this guy, flying out of the door, coming off the motorbike. There's so much going on. Uh, although, you've got to ask the question. Like, his whole thing is he loves that car. He wants to get his car. So instead of killing everyone and then taking the car, he gets in the car and wrecks it and in the process them, yeah. of killing everyone. So a little bit of poor strategy there but i do i do love the prologue here i love it but this is a man who is so dedicated to his principles james that he <laughs> would rather his house be blown up than go along with what santiago wants yeah he, he didn't so think he's prepared to well. burn everything down bring it all tumbling around around his shoulders it's like you know when he's he, like to show that he's finished with killing people at the end of the first one he buries his weapons back under the ground and then reconcretes over them and you watch it thinking yeah. dude come on the cement's not even going to dry like what are you yeah. doing <laughs> speaking of so weapons we though speaking of weapons though another sure. brilliant sequence from this i love the quote-unquote tasting he has with peter yeah. serafinowicz yeah, really. when he's going through like as a connoisseur of weapons sir have you tried the glock Whatever it is, it's like it's just brilliant. It's just, I'm looking for something is like something robust, direct. He's like, whoa, robust, direct. I mean, have you tried this? <laughs> it's like it's extraordinary. Sexual. It is. It is. Sarah Vinny, the, which um, is brilliant. The guy who the it, guy who plays the tailor is actually a tailor. Oh, really? I see. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I, I like that. And I like I like the consistency there because they talk about how they they weave the kind of armor into the suit. So you see him later on. He holds the sort of edge of his suit up as a shield when people yeah. are shooting yeah. at him. It's a lovely attention to detail. That's the thing that made me laugh when earlier on you said that you loved the fact that this film is realistic because it is absolutely <laughs> fucking not. It has a man who has he has a bulletproof tailored suit. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the stuff that happens in this film is so gloriously over the top. But yeah, yes, I guess some of, some of the, you know what I some mean. of the martial arts, yeah. I do love the because I'm not a big Bond fan, but I always used to love as a kid the Q scene, mm. which is the basically the uh 
the Chekhov's scene, like, by the way, you're, you're going to see all these weapons played out later on. And that's probably my favourite version of, like, a Q Chekhov, um, Chekhov dungeon scene where all these things are going to come out. You're going to see how it's going to play them out exactly as he's intended because he's, he's John Wick. <laughs> um, but it was just done super delightfully there. I think it's, I think it's a lovely scene. One of my favourite bits pretending to that is um, you talk about Chekhov's guns, but I love the bit where we see John sort of scoping out the tunnels in Rome and placing his guns yeah. where he thinks he's going to need them for tactical reloading and just, you know, and uh, and, and, and re-upping, I guess, as well. And and then, obviously, as the fight plays out, he's just, I need a machine gun. Well, I've got one here. Here's one I made earlier, uh, which I think is, is tremendous. That's Chekhov's gun. That's Chekhov's machine gun. That's Chekhov's rifle. It's all there. Uh, what did you guys think of the of the main? Obviously, obviously this mark is quite a dark one. Um, Helen, I'm going to go to you here with um, one of the high table. No, one of, the brother of one of the people in the high table, basically wanting to get a seat there and saying, "Well, here's the mark. Go kill my sister." And then, by the way, I'm going to I'm going to screw you over. That was that's kind of a dark setup, actually, isn't it? Kind of dark, but weren't like the Romans doing this way before John Wick. It's kind of not that dark. People have oh, done worse than that, haven't they? I didn't. I didn't think what, it was set, setting up his sister. Well, fair enough. I I I stand. I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> but the um, the whole thing where he John Wick gets to his his the person he's supposed to kill and she takes it her own life. That's actually in the world of John Wick. That's still fairly brutal, isn't it? Well, I think I think that's a that's a, that's an important point because the whole point is she says you know I considered you a friend and he's like I still do and the point is mm. that this marker is so powerful that even though this is a friend of his this is someone he's familiar with is someone he perhaps likes you know he's still going to kill her because the marker compels him to do it uh, and I, and I like that the idea that the rules of this assassin world are completely inviolable like you cannot transgress these things which obviously is the ending of this film because he does ultimately mm. set aside the rules of the continental and gets excommunicado for it so. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing. I also like the the line that she gives. Like she slits her own wrist because she's like, I've lived my life on my own terms. I'm going to die on my own terms as well. Like she doesn't particularly want to take a bullet from John Wick, and who would? Um, we're going to head to the scores uh, shortly, guys. But there's one thing I'd love to see. Um, we, we talked about Common. I think he's he's a really good um, sparring partner for John mm. in this, and I hold hope that he'll be coming back in in Chapter Four because he wasn't. It was given the option to to you know die or not. Um, if you follow me, basically going to die. And I I hold hope that he comes back and gives John a bit of a of a scrap in in chapter four. Yeah, I like that. That's almost like a, a repeat of what he's what he does to the Bowery King when Lawrence Fishman mm. says, "You gave me this mark on my neck, and you gave me a choice: come after you and die, or you essentially take care of it and live." And it's the same thing he does with Common. So clearly, uh, he's got a soft spot as John Wick. I, I love their fight on the uh, on the subway. I think it's tremendous. Mm. We, we even whether they're taking silent pot shots at each other from from a distance, but that actual fight on the tube is a great knife fight. And uh, I think the action is, is just tremendous flourishes here. The sequence where uh, which prefigures chapter three, where John is attacked by a whole uh, you know a, a gang of assassins at different points. You have the, mm. the massive assassin. You have a female assassin who I believe is played by Chad Stahelski's wife who is a real-life stunt woman. Uh, Heidi Moneymaker is her name, uh, incredibly. Uh, she is a stunt double for Natasha, stunt double for Scarlett Johansson in all the Avengers movies. Um, nice. But yeah, it's just, it, it, the action in this is so great and so fluid and so inventive and so beautifully shot. And I think the MVP 
for me of these movies is Dan Lauston, the cinematographer, who, talk, often, yeah. who has worked in the past with with Guillermo del Toro as well, because these things look incredible. Most action movies have a certain muscular, dark, grey, metallic look to them. These things are beautiful. They're steeped in primary colours, they're steeped in a neon glow, and every frame, pretty much, in a, in a John Wick movie is a work of art. I think mm. probably more so in Chapter 3 than this, but this still looks looks gorgeous. Yeah, when it's going across the uh, the desert in, in well, in Chapter 3. I'm, yeah, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to spoil <laughs> Chapter 3, guys, but yeah. Chapter three has got some of the most stunning John Wick um, single shots, I think. Yeah, but it's like you look at the that Hall of Mirrors sequence; like that mm. is stunningly shot. But can you imagine? Mm. I mean, I I was there when I saw them do it. It's like the amount of post production required on that to take because every single surface is reflective to take the camera crew out of every single shot because they make no there's no uh, accommodation for angles there. They're just they're square on a lot of the time, so they've just removed them in post. But it's it's a lovely sequence. It's a lovely homage to uh, to Enter the Dragon. Also, it's like a it's it's, it's supposed to be um, a little bit of an allegory for what John Wick is going through. Like, who is he when he looks at himself in the mirror? Like, who does he see? Who is the right. face that's looking back at him? Because he's struggling between, you know, the killer that he was and then the husband he became and then becoming that killer again, which is a transition that, that takes you into the third film too. Right, well, let's, let's head to the scores, guys. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And together we host a show called Song, Song by Song, Song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Waits before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice. So there is a spreadsheet. It holds all of the scoring. It's very sacred. Um, and all of the scores are out of five. You may have decimal places. And uh, we'll start with you, James, with your recommendability, please. Recommendability score. Oh, I'd give this a five for recommendability. I recommend everyone watch Ooh. it, if only just to make them a more efficient killer. Is that <laughs> is that part of the training, you think, then? Absolutely. <laughs> Fine. Of course, if you are an international assassin uh, and you want to come home at the end of the day, this is perhaps not the movie to watch, to unwind. <laughs> It's more like a gritty documentary in that case, isn't it? Uh, Chris, your recommendability. Uh, my recommendability, uh, I'm going to go four because I think this is the point at which the mythology becomes quite dense. And unless you've bought into the world of John Wick with the first movie, you're going to be a bit lost. I recently rewatched John Wick Chapter 3 with two friends, uh, one of whom hadn't seen a single John Wick film. And right. uh, she took exception shall we say, to <laughs> to uh, some of the, the the more complicated mythology and world building. So I would say if you've... Uh, five, if you've seen John Wick Chapter 1, four, if you haven't. Uh, you can go to decimal places here, by the way, guys. Um, 4.3. As many as you want. <laughs> 4.3. Uh, Helen? Yeah, so um, I'm clearly not as into John Wick as you three are. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen them. Um, I'm kind of glad that I've seen them, um, but I I like Keanu. Um, I kind of like what they're doing, but I'm sort of very much one time is, is kind of as, as far as I'm going to go. So what I did do is look back into my scoring for John Wick 3 to make sure that it aligns accurately so that I don't end up 
scoring this lesser or higher in comparison. So let's just say John Wick 3 was lower than what I'm going to give now. Um, so I mark this up. But guys, still listen to the next episode because we're to, Helen will divulge your scores properly. I'm not going to give you all of them. <laughs> if this one's the important one because this one gets more points for the mirrors scene, whereas sure. John Wick 3 lost points for excessiveness. So this will all come, make sense when you listen to the third one. It will make sense oh, at one point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, four. Uh, so, what, four. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm, I can't remember what I scored last time. I'm not going to check, but I'm going to say uh, 4.1 here. I think they're all amazing, really good films. Um, I think the raid kind of rejuvenated this kind of what we can do with action um, and took it away from the, the Bourne, as, as Chris mentioned before. Bourne was great and it rejuvenized Bond. Um, but I think the actual having martial artists or people who have trained as martial artists show what they can do on camera is a lot better than really fancy quick cuts and, and shaky hand cam. Um, and, and I look forward to John Wick 4. Although one thing I should say is I was, quite, I was kind of disappointed that John Wick 3 wasn't the final in the trilogy. I thought that was going to be it as a, as a closed and shut casket. Um, but I, so I hope they don't drag it out. That was so, the original intention. Mm, it was. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go for 4.1 here. Um, repeat viewing score, James. Mm-hmm. And let us know if you want an explanation of any of these scores as we as we go repeat through. Repeat viewing score. This is a film I think you can repeat watch. I don't think the action in this really ever gets old. And I think there is something about like listening to a favourite album about this, where you can watch the kind of the, the choreography and the sort of the symphony of the violence in this. And I think, you know, plot aside, it kind of stands on its own. So I would give repeat viewing a slightly arbitrary 4.4. Why did you say with that intonation? <laughs> it's the it's it's I'm it's I've worked for Empire for twenty years. I'm very uncomfortable with decimal places. <laughs> it's just like we're very definite. It's a four. It's a five. There is no middle ground. So I'm I'm in uncharted waters. Chris, hmm, tricky one because this is obviously a film I've rewatched a couple of times. Uh, so I'm going to give it a again. Uh, oh, I'm going to give it a solid four. I think this one. Uh, because it, it delivers things that we want to see. We you know, we've long wanted to see John Wick kill someone with a pencil, and this film finally delivers on that. <laughs> yeah. Two people. Who wouldn't want to watch that's that ta- over and over again? Uh, that's taken very much from uh, from the Dark Knights, I, I thought. Um <laughs> uh, Helen, repeat viewing score. Yeah, so I've only seen this once, probably unlikely to watch it again. Uh two point five. I think I will watch this quite a few times uh, going forward. And I think whenever I watch it, I'll probably watch them all in a weekend um, to to kind of relive it. As long as at the moment Netflix doesn't have done much chapter one, which is always a massive bugbear in mind when they don't have like the complete trilogy, which you could just binge on. But when John Wick 4 comes out, I'll certainly will rewatch them all. So yeah, 4.2, I think. Small screen score. James, do you want an explanation on this? Small screen score. So how well it works on the small screen as opposed to the cinema screen. It definitely loses something, I think, in the translation. That said, my TV is pretty huge. But uh, <laughs> it loses something, I think, uh, when you when you, when you you take it out of the cinema. I certainly don't think it's something you could easily watch on a phone. It's also worth mentioning the catacombs fight is very, very dark. Uh, mm. And I think if you're watching that on a phone, you're going to lose most of that sequence. Uh, so I'd probably say maybe a 3.5. Chris? Two. 
you want it, you want it on the big screen. Yeah, big screen or as big a screen as possible. I just upgraded to a new TV, so uh, yeah, look pretty good in that. But anything anything under fifty five inches, folks. That's something I've said quite a lot in my life. Uh, anything under fifty five inches just not need not apply. <laughs> Don't watch this on a phone. Don't watch this on a laptop. You need the booming noises. Like this, this has yeah. so much gunfire. The mm. room, the the scene in the catacombs is ridiculous in the way it just it's 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 almost deliberately. In fact, it is deliberately overblown. Yeah. Uh, and it goes on for so long, and you need those booms coming through your sound system. I think. Yes, a subwoofer Hell is required. Um, so I've I've never seen this on the uh, on the big screen at the cinema, and um, for sort of logistics, I started out watching it on the iPad and gave up and switched to a big TV and it still wasn't really happening on that. So on that basis, I'll give it a three. Yeah. I don't think this is for me as vis- visceral, uh, an experience as, as John Wick chapter three, uh, just cause of the fights. And I don't think it's as beautiful as John Wick three. Um, so I think you can, I think this is better, but you need to, you need to have a decent TV, I think with a, a good contrast ratio, a decent blacks, that's, that's more important than the size of the screen, Chris. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so I'm going to go for I'm going to go for three point five because I think it still works quite well uh, on the small screen. But yeah, five uh, John Wick three is better in the cinema, most definitely. Engagement score, James. Engagement score. I mean, I could not. T- this is this is a film again, partly because I was on set, partly because I love it. I don't think it would be possible for me to not watch this through to the end if I turned it on. That said, that's mm. probably unique to me, so I won't give it a full five for that. I'd give it a four in terms of engagement. I can understand if a lot of people would want to give it less because, in many ways, the plot is secondary to the action. But still, it's <laughs> compelling stuff. Chris, I think, in a way, it's a reverse John Wick Chapter Three because I think with John Wick Chapter Three. You can turn it off after the first for 30 minutes and huh. you'll be fine. You've seen the best stuff. Mm. You're going to miss some really good action sequences, but you've seen the best stuff. Whereas this builds and builds and builds and builds. And I remember uh, watching it in the cinema for the first time. And that ending, I, uh, as I've said, I think it's one of the great modern action movie endings. Uh, with really? With John on the run. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just tremendous the way it completely turns it around. Uh, and in, in a weird way, the ending of the movie delivers on the promise of the film's poster. If you remember the film's first poster, it was John Wick. Uh, it was a homage, I think, to a Harold Lloyd poster from the 1920s. Um, I should have written down what it was. But it was John surrounded by dozens of hitmen, yeah. all with their guns pointed at him. And you'd still bet on him coming out of that alive, <laughs> by the way. Uh, and it's it's one of those weird things where the, the film doesn't really give us that until the end of the movie uh, it's one of the best setups uh for a sequel i i can remember with john on the run with his dog given that one hour of grace by winston yeah. and uh and suddenly everybody in new york could be a potential assassin uh, i think it's terrific and also don't forget that amazing word excommunicado oh, um john wick <laughs> is excommunicado uh, which is why I would give this an engagement score. Depends probably where it is when I turn it on, but yeah, it's 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 a solid four point six five for me. Oh, really going Helen. into the decimals there. Um, Love so the decimals. I I've attempted to watch this three times, and it was it was a bit of struggle. So I don't know if that's to do mainly with having watched the third one. So the the kind of excite excitement wasn't particularly there. I'm not really sure. Um, 
so yeah I did struggle to really get into this one whereas with the first one um, I think it was so fresh for the first time and just you're trying to keep up with the body count it's kind Mm. of keeping your (laughs) brain ticking over whereas having seen the third one then which is basically everything on there is completely unavoidable because it's so in your face and then watching this was a bit of a step down so I'm going to go for three so basically don't watch them out of order I think I mean you said body count there Helen and that's that's a question I raised before John Wick must have one of the highest body counts on him for a, for a cinematic character right he must do for like actual kills as well because yeah. a lot of the time you know it, you know the thing that like the big joke in Terminator 2 is kind of like, you know, people don't die. It's not a massive kill thing. But in this, they actually die. Yeah, he kills, What they should do is a result of their actions. He kills 77 people in John Wick. He kills 128 people in John Wick 2. Uh, and I think it kill, I think it's dialed down slightly in John Wick 3, and I think it's 94. So That's the grand total <laughs> is 299 dead people. Oh, Wow. I wonder, what, do, they, do you reckon they wanted 299 specifically? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, really, you just think, so, you couldn't have killed one more person. <laughs> do we think he's going to kill just one person in yeah. John Wick Chapter 4? Yeah. and that's it, and he's and done. We, we won't say who that person is in case we give it away. But then when he does, like, ticker tape comes out, and, like, you know, he gets, like, a, he gets a medal, a medal for his 300th yeah. kill. Yeah, someone comes on and gives him a car. <laughs> yeah, why not? A certificate to frame. Yeah, he gets like a free year of shopping at the assassin's store. You know that, yeah. that sort of thing. He gets like a trolley You've dash. You killed three hundred people. Gold coins yeah. just start churning out of machines all around him. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about the gold coins because this is one of the things that kind of annoyed me about three was that in two the gold coin could be used for for like a penny two and also could be used for right? a Ferrari. Like there the seems conversion no kind of rate is difference. problematic, isn't it? Because it pays yeah. for a night at the hotel, but it also buys a round of drinks. You're like, I'm sorry, yeah, exactly. what's this worth? It's very unclear to me. <laughs> and I think in three, they try and bog themselves down and try to explain what it's worth a bit. And I was just like, no, I quite, I kind of like the amorphous nature <laughs> of this, of this, of this gold coin phenomenon thing. Um, but well, I love it. Uh, also, we don't know whether he gets loyalty points at the end of the <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Continental Club card. Yes. Uh, why not? Absolutely. Although, you know, what, what sort of review he'd give it on TripAdvisor, I, I don't quite know. But I do like the Continental Rome. I really think that's a classy hotel <laughs> um, managed by Franco Nero. I think I'd miss, um, I'd miss Lieutenant Daniels. I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick, yeah. I think I'd miss Lance Reddick not being at my, at my home. Uh, at my hot home John continent. Wick fact for you, the Continental in Rome was the first Continental Hotel and it's been around for 900 years. That's oh, a wow. fact for you. Isn't, isn't it supposed to be a TV series called based on the Continental, which I'm, I'm all yeah, up for? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what they're planning. Whether they get there or not, I don't know. But uh, is that like a behind the scenes where they're like cleaning out the bedrooms and talking yeah. to the yeah, it's dirty, waiting staff things, and things? Yeah, pretty things, but with silences. It's like it's like like Claridge's documentary, but with the Continental. So you see the the guy in the elevator going, "Oh God, more professional assassins today." <laughs> Can't get away. Uh, my engagement score. I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for four. A great, just great standard film. Um, I, I, I think it's great. <laughs> I can't think of any other adjectives apart from great right now, um, and that gives us an overall score of three point seven five nine three eight. Um, wow. <laughs> so for your benefits guys John Wick chapter 3 mm-hmm. overall score John Wick 2 scores higher as, as it should which is 
<laughs> I think that makes sense. So we go to the Twitter. Have you guys got the Twitter links up? Uh, just click on the on the one for John Wick because we've got some interaction from the good people of Twitterland. And as we always do, ask for people's thoughts of a film before we before we go to the record. And in this case, we said we're reviewing John Wick Chapter 2 with James C. Dye and Chris Hewitt from at Empire Magazine. Have you seen it? Give us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out uh, on Flixwatcher. And we had quite a few responses for this. Um, Helen, do you want to take the first one that's on your screen? So this one was from Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion. So Helen has not watched <laughs> yeah, Game this of Thrones. Is, this is becoming abundantly clear. <laughs> they just went with four. Um, I don't think they came back with anything else. So that was four from them. Uh, do you want to go for another one then, uh, in, in lieu of a full-on comment? Yep. Um, movie Reviews in 20Q's podcast, four stars. Mm-hmm. A solid flick that doesn't exactly reinvent the wheel. That was the first, but doesn't need to. Uh, Chris, can you go for another one in that in that list there? Uh, yes. Four stars says Contrarian Prime. So I'm <laughs> not sure what to believe, quite frankly. Uh, massive improvement from the original. More interesting mythology. Better action. Better opponents. Hell of an ending. Actually, I mm. do know what to believe. I, this Contrarian Prime has seen right into my soul. <laughs> Helen, do you want to take another one? Yep, from Shaken Not Nerd. 4.5 stars. Some people just give a really brief... Uh, well, I mean, we do ask for a star rating. Um, and Chris, do you want to take the last one from At Top Film Tip? At, at Top Film Tip gives us a top film tip. Uh, Obliged to murder assassins sis... Car reclaiming, pencil perforating puppy mourner embarks on scintillating death orgy, kaleidoscopic killtopia. Whilst losing the bottle narrative of JW, JW2 delivers breakout Ruby Rose performance and delectable aesthetics. And then yeah, lots uh, of little emojis. There's an Italian emoji, Italian flag emoji, and then a laser gun. Which So there's four Italian emojis out of five laser guns, it seems. Um, Marvel the Martian laser guns. So four out of five. That's an amazing way of assessing <laughs> a film. Um, and that's, yeah, that's it, guys. Can you sign off by telling, uh, just reminding people where they can find you online um, and uh, the podcast you guys do? And we'll say goodbye to the, to the listeners. Sure. Uh, you can find me on all the Twitters, at James C. Dyer, and on Instagram as well. Uh, and, of course, every week on the Empire Podcast and the Pilot TV Podcast. And Chris? Yes, indeed. You can find me. Uh, you can find me for three, but you can catch me and kill me for ten. No, don't don't kill me. Um, that would be terrible. Seven uh, million. Or do you catch me? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at Chris Hewitt. Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, as at CTAH1976. That's very catchy i know uh and you can find me every week hosting the empire podcast and sundry spin-offs well thank you very much guys bye enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks watcher pod on twitter and we're at flicks watcher on instagram Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you.
just heard a stripped media production.